0: Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the book of Philippians. We are finally finishing this book today. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 23. Philippians 4, verses 15 through 23. You can find it in your pew Bibles on page 1,830. 1,830. Philippians 4, verses 15 through 23. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and even more. I am amply supplied, now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send their greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. These are the holy words of God. May the Lord meet every need of those who hear them. Well, we've come to the end of this joyful letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And throughout our time in this book, God has spoken to us many lessons. He began these lessons by demonstrating to us what it means to be a slave for Christ. Paul was a prisoner in Rome because he would not be silent concerning the message of his Lord and Savior. You see, as a citizen of heaven, he was committed to the mission of his king. And what exactly was Christ's mission? He spells it out for us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. The mission of the church is to proclaim the gospel and to disciple those who have faith. This is what Paul was committed to. Yet Paul wasn't the only one who stood firm in the gospel. These brothers and sisters in Philippi, they deeply understood this great commission. This is why when Paul began his letter, he began with rejoicing for they had partnered with him in the gospel from the first day until now. They knew the mission of the church, and they were dedicated to seeing it accomplished, even though hardship was involved. Brothers and sisters, understand this. If you want to be part of God's mission, it will cost you. Jesus didn't say, make sure all your needs and wants are taken care of first, and then follow me. Nor did he say, make sure that that all your retirement funds are filled, and that your house is paid off, and then come and follow me. No. He said, take up your cross, and follow me. These believers in Philippi understood this. They knew that partnering with Paul would entail adversity on their part. Yet from day one, they supported their missionary, even when it meant difficulty in their own lives. And as we'll see from our text from today, one of the main ways that they sacrificed was through financial giving to the gospel. Philippians 4, verse 15 Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Paul now gave high praise for this unique Service that the Philippians provided for the kingdom of God. This was a church that comprehended the importance of spreading the light that is the message of Christ. For the same hope had come to them. Philippi was a dark and despairing place. Since the time when King Philip seized power over that region, the people had been subject to the control of outsiders. And the Roman gods that they prayed to, they offered no comfort. For such deities always needed to be appeased with sacrifices and offerings. What Christ did for them turned their world upside down. No longer did salvation come through their own efforts and merit. Jesus died for them, paying the penalty for their sins salvation is a free gift and it is all based on the work of christ and his sacrifice upon the cross friends this gift is for you as well jesus died for your sins therefore i urge you to repent And turn away from your sins and unbelief and trust in Him. Only through Christ will you find peace with God. These new believers in Philippi, they experienced the mercy of God. And it motivated them to take up their own cross and follow Christ. They didn't choose such a hard road because there was something to be gained on the other end. But they did so out of a gratitude for their Savior and for the salvation of others. Their efforts in the gospel, they were not motivated by selfish ambitions, as if they would gain favor from God by doing such things. Rather, their work was graceful driven. They desired to proclaim this good news to any who would give them ear. And notice what Paul said in verse 15. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. It doesn't say that these Philippians were one of the few churches that gave. No. They were the only Church that supported Paul in his ministry. As a former missionary, I know what it's like to rely on the generosity of others to maintain the work of the gospel. In the Christian world today, we have set up a fundraising system in order for missionaries to be fully supported in their endeavors. And while this system does have its flaws... It is one method that God uses to spread his message throughout the whole world. Yet this wasn't Paul's M.O. He did not go out seeking funds to go. He just went. You see, Paul was a tent maker. And he was happy to be one. Yet these Philippians experienced firsthand the fruit of Paul's ministry. They knew that God had placed upon Paul an apostolic calling to the Gentile world. And so they thought to themselves, how much more effective could Paul be if he no longer had to make tents? So, while no other church was giving to Paul's ministry, they chose to give. They were committed to the Great Commission. And as we will soon see, Paul understood that the charity of these Christians, it wasn't a one-way street. For he said that they shared with him in the matter of giving and receiving. With God, giving is never a one-way transaction. Verse 17. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul is now worried that his compliments may drive the believers in Philippi to give even more to him. Just as as Paul had spoken about being content in any and every situation, hoping to dissuade them from giving further, here he expressed this desire explicitly. This church had been more than generous, and Paul was not looking for an additional handout. Instead, he wanted credit to be given where credit was due. You see, God sees the heart of his people. He sees when his people gives. He knows where their hearts lie. It is often said that a person's true love can be seen by time and money spent. If a person really loves the Lord, they will take the time to pray and to study God's word. Likewise, if they truly love God, they will give to God's mission namely the work of evangelism and discipleship. Paul saw such love in his brothers and sisters in Philippi, and he desired that it would be credited to their account. Yet with even, even with such a giving heart, the apostle did not need to receive more funds from them. So he went on to say that, say that he received full payment Even more than that, he was amply supplied. He was stressing the point that their latest gift was more than enough. And in his own subtle way, Paul was trying to be gracious while at the same time discouraging them from giving again. He didn't want to offend those he dearly loved. Those who have partnered with him in the gospel from the first day. Yet for the sake of the mission, their money would be better used elsewhere. Even so, what they had given was a fragrant offering. Acceptable and pleasing to God. Let's study these words a bit closer. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Here, Paul was drawing a comparison to the sacrifices that God commanded the Israelites to make at the temple, particularly at the altar of incense, where the sweet smelling spices were were burned and an aroma would be cast out among the camp. Exodus 30, verses 7 through 10. Aaron must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so incense will burn regularly before the Lord for, for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense, or burn any any burnt offering or grain offering, and do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year Aaron shall make atonement on its horns. This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin offering for the generations to come. It is most holy to the Lord." This offering was to remind the people that God was well-pleased, not with the sacrifice itself, but with a sinful people that sought His mercy. Such an offering for the atonement of sins pointed forward to the ultimate sacrifice that was made. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is the same terminology that Paul used with the Philippians to describe the sacrificial way that they gave their money to God. Often in Christian circles, giving is downplayed in Christian worship. Intense times of prayer, digging into God's word, emotional demonstrations of praise with hands raised and tears, Running down the cheeks. These are what we think of when we think of significant acts of worship. But giving to missions? Does God really care that much about it? Isn't that just a ploy to get more money? Brothers and sisters, Paul used the same words describing Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And the worship of these saints through giving. In God's view, giving money is not less of a spiritual activity than other aspects of the Christian life. Giving demonstrates both a commitment to God's mission and a level of trust in God to provide for you and your own needs. Yet faithful giving is more than just signing the check. It's more than setting up that automatic withdrawal. For God also looks to the heart of the individual. Dear friends, your giving to God should come from a heart that is overwhelmed by the mercy of God. It should be Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, that, that fragrant offering that drives your own monetary devotion. This is why in Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, Paul says this concerning giving. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. One's outward practice should be a window into their inward reality. Joy-motivated giving is what Paul saw in the Philippian church. For they were more concerned about God's message going forward than in their own comforts in life. Verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Here we see the theological principle that a man reaps what he sows. In fact, God promises to bless those who faithfully give to him. We see this all throughout scripture. Deuteronomy 15, verse 10. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Now this is a promise to the Israelites and the Israelite nation. And some might argue, well, that's, that's not for us. And I can see that theologically, hermeneutically, I can understand that. But we don't just see it there. Look at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Or how about Luke 6, verse 38? Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And now we see this same principle being taught here. Paul directed their attention to the magnificent riches of the Lord. God is able to supply every need of this faithful church. This was not a guarantee that they would have worldly prosperity. Rather, God gives gifts that hold eternal weight. These are spiritual riches that that are far more valuable than any treasure here on earth. What are these glorious riches? I think to understand the answer to that question, we should look to the greater context of Paul's letter. First and foremost, God would supply them with His joy. In the midst of their struggles, the Lord would be near, comforting them in all of their ordeals. But more than this, God would provide for them the steadfastness that they would need to stand firm in the gospel. He would give them his endurance as they faced head-on the persecution that was about to come. And he would give to them the humility that they would need, by providing them with the mind of Christ. He would sanctify them and make them shine like stars in the universe as they held out the word of life. He would raise up within their midst godly men to lead them, men like Epaphroditus. He would strengthen them as they learned to forget what was behind and press on towards the goal. He would offer to them heavenly citizenship. He would lavish upon them both his unity and his peace as they agreed with each other in the Lord. And he would give to them his contentment in both times of plenty and in times of want. But most important was the gift that he had already given to them. His son who made himself nothing, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. God does all of this through his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, to those who are generous, To those who are committed to God's mission, God has written a blank check in return. To those who offer up a fragrant offering, God has opened up his vast vault, promising to meet all of your needs. These Philippians gave up much for God's mission. They gave of their money. They gave of their time. They even gave of their people, Epaphroditus. All for the purpose of making disciples. Like Paul, they were sold out for the Great Commission. And they were ready to give more. And Paul knew that. Our church supports Four different missionary families. These people are following in Paul's footsteps, giving up family and friends in order to bring the message of salvation to the world. Let me ask you, how often do you pray for these folks? Are you given to the missions fund of the church in order to partner with them in the gospel? If asked, would you be willing to send one of your own to them in order to aid them in their times of need and distress? Where is your heart when it comes to God's mission? Are you on board for making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded them? Are you all in? Let's look at the end of our passage. Verses 21 through 23. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul saved the best for last. These Philippians were sacrificing for God's mission. But was there any fruit? Look at verse 22 one more time. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Those who belong to Caesar's household are now called saints. Paul hinted at this early on in his letter. In chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, he said this, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. These Roman guards those who were commanded to keep Paul in chains, God was working among them, saving them from their sins, and allowing them entrance into his kingdom. To the church in Philippi, to to those who, who gave that fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, It was news like this that brought to them great joy. May your hearts be so full of joy when you hear tell of the lost gaining entrance into God's kingdom. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this letter that you wrote to the church in Philippi. We thank you for the the joy that it has brought to your church throughout generations and centuries. and We ask now that you would fill our hearts with joy. Remind us of your son who died on the cross for our sins as a fragrant offering. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we may be guided in our giving as well. Might we be about your mission?